0: Portions of Eye on Real Estate, sponsored by Hemp Leaf.
1: We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body.
2: good morning good morning everyone I'm Dottie Herman and welcome to another another Saturday of I on real estate as you most likely know I've always said this you real estate is the universal language everyone wants to know about it no matter who they are where they are how much they make little they make it's just no matter what country everybody's interested in real estate um, so I love to talk about it. And sometimes after a while I have to say to people, okay, let's change the subject. I, uh, so always tune in. We try to keep you up to date on anything that's going on in real estate because knowledge is power. So tune into our show live on Saturdays at am970theanswer.com or am970theanswer on your mobile app or iHeartRadio. And you, can, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Dottie Herman. And, of course, you can visit me at www.dottieherman.com for exciting news and latest information. I do newsletters. And a lot of the questions that you send me, we do air on uh, the station. So if you have questions, we love to hear from you. So you can always call us at 866-970-9622. But if we can't get to your question and you send it to us, um, I will definitely we will definitely answer the question sometime on the next couple of shows. Today, my co-host for the first hour is um, obviously, and I always say this because it's true, I don't ever to say something that's not true, one of the brightest, best real estate, and I say real estate legal experts, Attorney Stephen Ebert, and he's the partner with the Pres- Good morning, Stephen. And, of course, you're a partner with the prestigious firm, Kassin & Cassin, located in Westchester. And he's always, I mean, he's a, a walking encyclopedia, okay? I know when I need a resource about anything that has to do with real estate legally, that's who I go to. Uh, he's here to fill us in on the latest things that are going on in real estate and business development. Um, a lot of you, again, as have, have texted or emailed me on questions about, gee, could you give us, you know, the whole, the whole good, the bad, the ugly, everything good, everything bad about the uh, reverse mortgages because a lot of people need to stay in their homes longer and are looking to find out more information about that. So uh, Stephen was lucky enough to get us, uh, Russell And he is a housing wealth specialist and he'll talk about everything you need to know about reverse mortgages. At 11 o'clock we'll be joined by Rebecca San Juan and she will discuss all things Miami and Rebecca writes about the real estate industry covering news about industrial commercial office projects, just everything. Uh, You won't want to miss this show. And Stephen and I are going to keep you involved with the latest things that are going on today. Um, I just have to say before I begin, I was uh, lucky, I mean lucky, I really feel it was an honor to speak, this is the second year I've done it, at the Wall Street Conference, which uh, was in Miami, uh, last year it was in Palm Beach, this year it was in Miami, but it travels all over the country, and it's not about real estate, it's just about billionaires and family offices and hedge funds and wealth managers and private equity and Venture capital now, you might say. But I'm not a millionaire, so why would I even go to that? You know, and so many people write to me like, "Well, Dottie, but you, listen, I was a regular person. I I went to a Delphi University. I came from a very regular family. Okay, my father worked for the the city. Okay, but I had a wealth to always learn. And I think that. And I don't mean about one subject. I always want to learn, learn, learn. Because wealth and learning is knowledge. So anything that we bring to you, hopefully you'll learn from. And some of the subjects we talk about you might be interested in, some that you might not be interested in. Um, but hopefully we open your horizons. And just my advice to everybody Yet, you know, we tend to all hang around with the same people who think like us, you know, who act like us, and our friends are kind of with us. And, And that's all good, but it's good to mix it up and get out of the box. And I have to tell you, you know, I told you I grew up in Long Island, Stephen, so, you know, I loved it. I had a great childhood, and I loved going to the beach. I loved the ocean and all that stuff. I had great friends. But when I actually started working in the city, I I never realized, because I used to go into the city just to go to clubs and stuff when I was younger, but when I actually started working in the city, I really grew a lot, not necessarily for my job only, but for meeting so many different people from so many different walks of life, so many countries, uh, so many different places, so many different languages, and I grew to really grow from that experience. And so that's why when we talk about New York and people you know, say, well, it's not the same. Well, we better get it back to being the same because there is no place like New York when it comes to that. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Steve? I mean, don't you think it just has everything and everybody and everyone's kind of accepted in a way?
3: Abs- absolutely. I'm also a Long Island native um, and then went to school in Philly and then came back. And I'll tell you, there's, there's nothing, no other place quite like it. And on top of that, it is such a driver for other things. When you think of the financial capital of the world, you know where do you think? When you, when you think of the gateway of freedom, you know where do you think? You know so much innovation, and so it's absolutely critical not just for the city, but also for the state and the country.
2: Yeah, and so I I, I really. I really, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it in my own words. And, of course, this is only my opinion, so let me stress that. But when I'm out of New York City, you know, a lot of people say, well, what's happened to New York City? It's not the same. And they're listening to the news, and, yes, crime has gone up. Things of that nature have gone. They cut the police force. But that happened due to the pandemic. And I hope that all of us who live in New York City, Do our part, because, you know, it takes, what do they say? It takes a family, it takes a whole bunch of people to change it, okay? And I, of course, I think they need a new PR person, because it's fine to tell, you know, you had a murder, you had a crime, you had this, because that happens, and it probably won't stop. I mean, it's been, but when you stress it, and you stress it, and you don't really point out the good things. And Stephen, I don't know if you remember this, but if you go back to 2000, I guess, 20, when the pandemic first happened, it was in Italy. And then we would watch, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, at 11 o'clock, i put on Cuomo. And he was the governor at the time. And at 11 o'clock, he would have, I, I every day turned on and he would have the pandemic. And the top line would say deaths. How many people died? Deaths, 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 deaths. And... Obviously I'm sure his, his facts were correct and I and I happened to like him, so I'm not this is not a knock. And then someone said I can get you the vaccine in Florida, so can you fly down? So I flew down to Florida and I went to Florida and all of a sudden I was like, What world am I in? New York was so strict, Florida was a lot looser. I saw people having drinks, they were talking, they were at bars, everything was kind of locked down. Now What I'm saying is, I'm not sure that they didn't have as many deaths, okay, in Florida. Like, you know, compared to the population, you know, based on population. They might have even had more. But the fact is, they didn't hone in on it every minute. So it's all how you present things. And so I hope that I'm not going to be Pollyanna and not say that, you know, the city is back yet. Because it's not. It needs to. But we all want it. To come back, and it will come back. Uh, It takes all of us to uh, all of us to chip in and give it a hand, uh, because it really did get hit with the pandemic the hardest, and most people really fled. So that's what I have to say. You have anything to add to that, Steve? I mean, I just this is just nothing to do with news. Yeah, look, I think
3: we're trending in the right direction. Um, I think everything takes time. You know, I mean, the the reality is you know, you didn't solve, you know, you know, you didn't create the problem overnight and you can't solve the problem overnight. Right. You know, I think what we're starting to see is, is a focus in um, to some of the issues that need to be addressed. And I think that's really important. And I think what's happened is also that, you know, COVID turned out to be an accelerator of a trend. Right. People are redefining a little bit of how they define work life balance and location. And obviously in Midtown, that is a key commercial office corridor. And so, you know, as society evolves a little bit, right, if you turn back the clock, go back a couple of decades, um, you know, that was when they were first introducing the BlackBerry, right? Um, right. You know, and now if you, if you said the term BlackBerry, you know, they go back to thinking it's a fruit, not a technology, right? And, and so what happened was, You know the when does the workday begin and end started changing where do you do work how do you do work and the idea of just mobility has changed so with that you know it takes a little bit longer to reposition concrete and steel than it does to trade in your laptop for the next version right so I think we're in the midst and really at the beginning phase of a real revolution in real estate in which you know we need to rethink how things are zoned and how buildings are built, um, and, and it's really across the board, you know how people work, how people live, how people get entertainment and goods, and even energy and agriculture. I think you're going to start seeing really very big changes in what buildings look like, but but that doesn't happen overnight.
2: No, it doesn't. But but I do agree with you. There's a lot of changes, and I think COVID was a catalyst. They were probably all, all in the kind of works already, okay, but they um, were expedited. And of course, because, you know, remote workers and everything's changed a lot, things are changing, so we try to keep up on that. And I always learned when I was, I, I think when I was working at Merrill Lynch, I like. Don't ever fight the word change because people don't generally like change. People are comfortable with things and the way they do things. And so you have to open yourself you know, and your arms up and your mind up to change. And I'm not saying you have to change everything, but at least be open to it, hear it. And like I used to tell everybody when they would work for me, before you close your arms and you shut me out and you're not going to listen, Hear what I have to say. You won't. Ha- you don't have to do it. I said, but at least hear it. So that's my advice today. And later on, I'm going to give you some really big tips for buying and selling because I really want to get back to concentrating on that because I think it's a great time to buy now. And I did talk about that at the Wall Street conference. But I have a question for you, Stephen. Um, I was reading, and I said, "There's no better person to ask than Stephen." I was reading, it said landlord groups, I Supreme Court after appeals panel rejects rent stabilization challenge.
3: So yeah, is this the is this the case in upstate or in the city?
2: I'll read it. It says two lawsuits launched by landlord groups challenging New York's two thousand nineteen rent stabilization laws have been rejected by a federal appeals court. New York's Eastern District Court dismissed two cases uh, brought by the Coalition of Rent Stabilization Landlords in 2020 and uh, hopes to be dismantled the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act by challenging its constitution. So, but maybe you could just, just to simplify it, just talk about, because in New York there is rent stabilization, okay, Um, and there's there's, rent, yes.
3: yeah, so that's it's a, it's a great point that's being brought up, and I just want to make sure it's the right case. So this should be the case. There's a concept called takings. Um, in other words, this and this goes back really to the formation of the country where there's been a concern, and because of what happened when we were the colonies, that the government might take and use private property without just compensation. So there is a concern that the government can just make dictates, and all of a sudden say what is private property is not, or what's private property is subject to certain regulations because you lose value from it. And so, right, let me give one example. That's a very clear one. And then we'll, we'll explain this one, right? The concept of eminent domain, I'm sure you've heard of where, well, why don't you explain little, that?
2: Explain eminent yeah, domain. Ab- yeah, absolutely.
3: Knows. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have, you know, at its most basic concept, you know, a, a private, a, a small parcel private property, and let's say the government's building a superhighway, and there is a little bit of private land that is right in the way. So in certain circumstances, and this and eminent domain is a huge debate on when it's appropriate when it's not, but basically in certain circumstances, private property can be taken if it's needed for public use, but you have to give just compensation. The government can't just take the property away. They have to give real value for it. Now, the issue with the law that they're talking about is the landlords had private real estate, private property, not subject to regulations. And then the government went in and basically changed the rules of the game, putting in regulations that would limit the marketability um, of the property. And so what the landowners are saying is, look, we bought this as unregulated property. It has a certain value. And if you're putting in rent regulations about how we can get rid of tenants, on how we can um, increase rents or the like, separate from an emergency, right? Now that the emergency has passed, you're now taking value from us. And that should be unconstitutional, unless if you're going to give us some level of compensation for our loss. it's a little bit different than the usual because – and this is where um, – you know, it, it's, it's an interesting approach where they might have some difficulty is they didn't lose the property like right in the case of eminent domain. The government didn't take it. But there is a valid point where you thought and you paid the price for one thing, and now you have an asset that is less valuable because of government action. So more to come on this. Yeah. And uh, keep in but, mind, when he has some of such a detailed constitutional issue, the, the appeals can go back and forth. It can go one way than the other. So it's not done till all the appeals are out for a case.
2: But if that does happen to you, let me say this. I do know enough about this. Um, because if they're building a highway and your home happens to be in the way— and they need to build that highway, they're allowed to do that. But as Steve said, they have to compensate you. And then you go to a certain kind of court, I think it's called certiorari court, and you kind of fight value. So the homeowner would say, look, this house is worth, well, you know, try to get it up, and the other people would try to get it down. But remember, if the government does try to take property, which they are allowed to if they have to build something, um, you have a right to fight that and get you're just compensation for that. Um, so that's the evidence domain. And um, that that was in the the press. So I just wanted to kind of go through that and just tell you a little about it and how that works. It doesn't happen every day of the week, but it does happen.
4: Yeah, to and where, few- Daddy,
3: it becomes a real fight is when government gets involved in picking winners or losers right where you see most of the big disputes on eminent domain if there is an area where it's been quote-unquote labeled blight which it's not necessarily blight but maybe they want to have a bigger shinier project and when and where government has a real issue if they pick one developer versus the current ownership and there's a lot of famous cases one of the big cases for people who are interested in this if you look it up there's a big case in uh, new london connecticut um they actually made uh, a movie about it um about gotta go we have a
2: commercial break steven but we'll do a show on that it's a really interesting topic uh, we'll be right back and i think we're gonna have our reverse mortgage guest on we'll be right back right after a quick commercial break
5: If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your time share or you'll pay nothing. Call
0: for your free information kit. 800-626-5252. That's 800-626-5252. 800-626-5252.
5: Mike Glendale and MyPillow are launching the new MyPillow 2.0 with a special buy one, get one free offer. The MyPillow 2.0 offers a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a, a cooler surface temperature. MyPillow knows core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Machine washable and dryable with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money back guarantee and made in the USA. Just go to the radio listeners page at mypillow.com, use the promo code AM970 or call 800-651-0798 800-651-0798. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0, 800-651-0798.
2: This is Dottie Herman, host of Ion Real Estate on AM 970, The Answer. Listen, I just discovered a new line of skincare products that I have to tell you about. I have tried many products that have been on the market for many years. So that's why I'm so excited about Hempley. The Vanilla Passion Skin Cream is soft and the scent is so calming. The feel of my skin, well, it's just amazing. It's not at all greasy and I can feel my skin perking up. The black soap was the most amazing surprise. It's smooth and creamy and makes my skin feel soft and hydrated. I am really looking forward to trying the rest of the product line and sharing my thoughts with you. Visit us at www. Hempleaf.com. That's www.hemplief.com enter Answer the word dotty at checkout and receive 10% off.
5: You're going to love it.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
5: Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala
4: of The Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 P.M. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy, with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sam Bellino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at 6 p.m.
5: Make sure to tune in this and every Saturday at noon to hear The Lead Guy, Nick tomorrow Executive Director and CEO of LEAD, Law Enforcement Against Drugs and Violence, speak with experts, educators, and law enforcement about important issues affecting you and your children. Catch the new show, Battling Drugs and Violence, with The Lead Guy on AM 970 The Answer for topical information and insights from experts waging the battle against drugs and violence in your community.
1: Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of ION Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back, and you're listening to ION Real Estate. I'm here with Stephen Ebert. And uh, as I said, a lot of you have emailed us a lot of questions, and so we try to get to most of them. And today, I guess, you know, with inflation and You know, the economy is kind of getting tougher, and, you know, later on I'll just give you what we predict for the rest of the year, but it's kind of going to be a sluggish year. A lot of you have said, gee, you know, what can I do? I want to stay in my house longer. I've heard a lot about reverse mortgages. I'm just not sure. Um, So today, Stephen, we're going to be joined by Russell Tunick, and he's a housing wealth specialist. So I believe he's here to talk to you about, and if you have any questions, don't forget, you can call us, or especially, or then email us, and you can call us at 866-970-9622. Steve, you want to take it away?
3: Great. Russell, good morning.
4: Good morning, Steve and Dottie. Thank you for having me.
3: Thank you for being here. No doubt. Yeah, you know, Russell, so many times people have questions on really what does it mean to retire and have wealth, and you know, one of the key conversations for people is understanding the difference between assets and also cash flow, and you know, you might have a home that could be worth a significant amount of money, even own it mortgage-free, but then what happens is, do you have liquid assets to really cover your lifestyle? So one of the things that I see in really trying to help, particularly seniors, stay in their home when we see taxes going up, we see home heating costs going up, is trying to figure out the right balance of maybe the options that they have. And I know one option out there is reverse mortgages. So I was wondering if you could just tell us a little about yourself, the firm that you're with, and just before even getting into it, because there's so much common term reverse mortgages
4: just what is it
3: and what's the concept behind it?
4: So the concept behind reverse mortgage is well the technical term for reverse mortgage is a home equity conversion mortgage. It's called a HECM, H E C M. Purpose of a reverse mortgage is that it allows the borrower, the homeowner, to convert a portion of their equity into usable cash. If there's a mortgage or a lien against the property, those proceeds that are made available from the reverse mortgage would have to get, would have to pay those mortgages or liens off first. And then any remaining funds would be available to the borrower to use at their discretion.
3: Now, now Russell, one of the questions that people have and where this comes up as an issue is you have people who are retired and so the normal criteria in which they get analyzed and approved for a mortgage, such as um, employment and income, you know, causes a problem. So can you explain a little bit for because you probably a lot of listeners who've never gone through the process of how income is a little bit different and employment is different um, with, with these with these mortgage products
4: that are out there. Okay, so on a reverse mortgage. On a typical mortgage, you, you usually have to have double the income of what your monthly obligations are. On a reverse mortgage, the qualification is quite different. What they're looking for is they're looking to make sure that the borrower has a certain amount of residual income after monthly expenses. So there is a qualification process. It, but it is—it is a lot more lenient on a reverse mortgage than it is a traditional, conventional loan.
2: Russell, it's Dottie. So Russell gets I to ha-
4: make. Oh, go ahead,
2: Donnie. I just have a question to ask you because there's been a lot of controversy about that, and of course, for people who want to stay in their homes, um, it's great. But I was under the understanding—and correct me if I'm wrong—that it's good if it's the last house you're going to be in. But if, like, you're going to take a reverse mortgage and then you're going to move to another place, that it's detrimental. Is, you know, can you help me with that?
4: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's absolutely detrimental. But, you know, yes, the reverse mortgage can only be placed on your current primary residence. And if you are planning on leaving. I mean, it may provide a, a band-aid of, of relief, of financial relief, for maybe a few years until you figure out what your next move is going to be. Um, so, yes, and, you know, the, the the cost associated with getting a reverse mortgage might not make it uh, worthy of doing. Um, most people who are taking a reverse mortgage have come to the realization that the property where they're currently living is probably where they're going to remain, I would say, for at least five or ten years.
2: Thank you. In other words, and so that they can... Because many people don't want to leave the place they've always been in their whole life. You know, their friends are there, the stores they know are there, that's their neighborhood. And so this makes it possible for them to stay. Now, what happens... When they die, like, you know, how does that – now, do their heirs have to pay – I mean, does somebody have to pay anything, or is it wiped out? How does that
4: work? That's a great question. So, first of all, all reverse mortgages, whether it's a uh, government-insured reverse mortgage or a proprietary reverse mortgage, they're all non-recourse loans. So there is no liability on anyone – to pay this back for the homeowner. So what happens in the end is depending on whether or not there's equity in the property. So let's say you have a million dollar house and the, you know, the borrowers have passed away and the reverse mortgage balance is $500,000. Right. So the estate is going to want to sell the property let's assume the heirs don't want the property, they just want to inherit the, the net the, the net proceeds from the sale. So the, the estate's going to market the property, they're going to sell it, they're going to pay back the difference of what's owed on the reverse mortgage, and the heirs are going to inherit the difference.
2: So the, the heirs the flip, will still get the difference?
4: The heirs will still get the difference, absolutely, because oh. there's equity remaining in the property. The The flip side to that is if there's no equity remaining or the loan is, or the reverse mortgage balance is higher than what the home can sell for, the estate is basically going to tell the lender, hey, we're just gonna mail the keys back to you because there's nothing for anybody to get out of selling the property. So the bank really is on the hook now to, to sell the property on behalf of the estate.
2: Thank you, because that was very important because so many people are worried that, you know, if they, you know, if they live long and they, you know, they use up all the money that their, their children are going to have to pay money back. And you're saying, no, there's no recourse to that.
4: There is no recourse. The heirs are never responsible. The only collateral that's used on a reverse mortgage is the property itself.
2: That's very good to know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
4: One you. thing, also, if I ha- if I can elaborate on that. Sure. Er, the the there's insurance. There's also reverse mortgage. There's government. The government product has mortgage insurance, a- as well as the, the proprietary product. But it's 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 more defined in the in the government reverse, the HECM, where um, there there's an insurance uh, fee that is part of the cost that is paid up front to the federal government and that insurance basically protects the heirs in the event that that situation should happen so that so that there so that nobody is is liable to pay back the reverse mortgage so these loans and it's it's not something you can opt out of it's it's a protection that is built into the program
2: so really the only downside to that would be that if you wanted your children to inherit your home, and obviously you know you've you know you've used all the money, then they they're not going to get it, but they're not going to owe anything either. And I really think it's a wonderful tool for people who don't want to move. And I you know I had an aunt who lived in this place for her whole life, and it's the last place she ever wanted to leave. She was involved, and so it was a wonderful tool for her to use. Um, so th- that's a really good, good tool. Do you find a lot of people using this or are or, or a lot of people aware of it? Because I'm not sure everyone's even aware of it.
4: I think people are aware of it. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about how yes. this program really works. I think there's a lot of misinformation that's out there that people, until you talk to a reverse mortgage specialist who can really... Uh, explain the program in layman's terms to, to, to the borrower, I think there's a lot of confusion about how something like this really works. And, and it really makes a huge difference when you talk to a professional who can explain to you the benefits and the drawbacks to doing a reverse mortgage.
2: I have, uh, I have hemp Do you want me to read it? Okay. someone say
5: they can the national court reporting week february 4th through the 11th plaza college of course kind of the bedrock of uh, court reporting but josh edwards a stenographer who has served for more than a thousand depositions arbitrations hearings etc I, I don't think people understand that there are lots of different kind of revenue um, options with court reporting.
6: There are three broad career paths. There's the traditional reporting route, and with those jobs, you typically are a full-time employee, so you get your salary, your range of benefits, and in addition to the salary and the benefits, you also produce the transcripts, and the attorneys, when they need the transcripts for the next day of court, they have to order that from you, the uh-huh. court reporter, and they pay for that separately. So if your salary, let's say in federal court in New York City, starts at a little over $100,000, depending on how busy you are in federal court on trials, you might double that income just in transcript income alone. So we start our captioners at my company at $100 an hour, and there's a two-hour minimum per job. The convenience is the number one thing, that people can spare the expense of traveling into the city, having to get dressed in come in and pay for parking and there is now an industry for both hybrid and remotely and that's going to be here forever plaza is now doing their entire court reporting program remotely so as you know when we send an email saying hey we have a job starting at nine o'clock on monday morning are you free for it even if that job cancels within a day or if it only goes for half an hour or 75 minutes they're still going to earn a minimum of $200 for that
5: time slot. That's really amazing. I encourage people to check it out. And they have an introductory thing, friend. You just click the link and get the info. And Josh Edwards, you're a perfect example as to why. That's got to feel good and awfully rewarding. Thanks for spending some time with us. My
6: pleasure. And, you know, I, I'm not bragging to say, but I am very happy and thankful that it has been a six-figure career every
5: year since I started.
3: Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy so much there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship so we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The
4: Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups, Killian and Leia rely on us to provide what's best for them and naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out Rough Greens is an easy yes. Recommended by me, Dr. G. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis
1: Black here, and I'm so proud that the Prager's and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to Rough Greens. I'm so confident that Rough Greens can help your dog. I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it back to life with Rough Greens. Go to ruffgreens.com. Listen to us online at
0: am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
1: If you're looking to get a new car, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive. Sure, you love your old car, but you know it's not normal to give instructions on how to open the window. It should be self-explanatory, but it's not. And notice how when you're in other people's cars, you can feel cushion in the seats. That's pretty nice, right? No, it's just normal. So bundle your renters and car insurance with Progressive and put the savings toward a new car. It's time. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Continuing with Ion on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Ion Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back.
2: You're listening to Ion on Real Estate, our favorite real estate show and uh, one that I think that everyone's going to find very, very interesting and a lot of knowledge, and we're currently talking to Russell Tunick. Russell, he's talking about reverse mortgages. Do you specialize in them? How do people reach you, or how do they get you if they need information? Is there a website? Is there an email?
4: Yes. uh, My email address is uh, russell.tunick. It's R-U-S-S-E-L-L dot t-u-n-i-c-k at c-c-m dot com for cross-country mortgage also have a website at cross dot com slash russell dash tunic
2: yeah. and my advice to anybody who needs to learn about this or wants more information go to someone who's an expert as i tell you go to someone who's an expert in something and so russell sure is one of the biggest experts that i know and you don't want to just go to anyone because there's like as russell said there's a lot of myths there's a lot of falsehoods and so you want to get the exact accurate information and again when you're talking uh, about real estate and mortgages There's no one-size-fits-all. It really depends on your circumstances, so it's very individual. You know, you can't make a blanket, say it's good, it's bad. It really depends on your circumstances. So with that, I I just want to say thank you so much. Do you have anything else to add to this or, or, you know... Work. And I yeah, mean, I'd love, love you to-, to
4: add that um, co-ops are now eligible for reverse mortgages. So New York City co-ops are now uh, eligible properties for the reverse mortgage program.
2: Oh, that's one of the ones that that just
6: happen? passed.
4: Oh,
2: that's it. So now, it if you own a co-op, you can you can get a reverse mortgage and stay in your co-op. That's right. How about condos?
4: Condos are available. Condos uh, have always been available, but co-ops, just the law was signed earlier this year, um, and there is a lender out there right now that we are that we uh, are, are on board with that accepts co-ops as eligible properties.
2: That's wonderful. That's really wonderful news. That really, really is.
4: There's many, many co-op owners in New York City that have been waiting for this news and I think it's a uh, I think it's excellent that it's finally available
2: so do I so you hear, you hear it first here um, while you're on this I just promised that I would mention this because uh, we you know Jonathan Miller released the uh, Manhattan rental highlights because uh, people are asking me about rents and so the median rent was the highest on record for the month of December and the third highest overall um, since they've been tracking this, which is about 15, I think 12, 15 years. Uh, the new, the number of new leases, so the number of people that took out new leases in New York expanded annually for the first time in three months. Um, and the vacancy rate slipped monthly for the first time in nine months. So, Non dormant price trends indicators expanded annually at a higher rate than dormant uh, buildings, which surprises me. I don't know if it surprises you, Steve, but it surprises me. Uh, luxury medium rent remained at the third highest on record. Uh, luxury, luxury bidding wars accounted for nearly one in five rentals. And luxury listing inventory is expanding, but still relate you know it remains low and uh, I think that that 's why I said in the beginning of the uh, show that when you listen to news about New York, you might as well think that it 's all falling apart. People are buying, people are renting, people are paying top dollar. Uh, I would say that you 're seeing the same thing happen in Florida to even a greater extent I mean' it's because it, New York had a lot to come come back to. Uh, but things are popping now, Stephen and Russell. You're you're in New York every day. What do you see,
4: Stephen? Sure. Um, you know, we're, we're
3: look. We're seeing activity on a regular basis. I think we saw a big bump post, um, you know, really the post-COVID emergency time period. Um, I think that has leveled off a little bit. So I, I think, you know, we hit a little bit of a plateau. And I think the city recognizes this um, and they're working, you know, on, on a, say, a few initiatives to really keep the trend going. Um, part of also what's out there in the market is, you know, the rental market has been very strong. Um, you know, interest rates generally, they went up, they've come down a little bit. And so I think what we're seeing. Is a slower beginning to the year Um, you know my take on it is every year has four seasons so I think what's happening is I think we're having you know it's this is our version of Groundhog Day I think winter is taking a little bit longer Um, but we're definitely seeing activity and there's also another side to it too as rates have gone up it's a little bit harder and rents are still very strong It's harder for someone who is maybe looking to downsize to sell, right? If you're not going to sell your property if you don't know where you're going to move to. Um, So I think there's a few things that need to occur and you know that to break up that logjam, but I think overall we're we're in a solid place in in the market.
2: Yeah, let me give you some very current facts as of Friday. These are actually numbers that happened Friday. Uh, The priciest residential closing recorded, now that means that it closed, which means it was sold a couple of months ago. The priciest residential closing was $25.5 million. Uh, It was a townhouse at 113 East 90th Street in Carnegie Hill. Okay, that's a fairly big number. In commercial real estate, the most expensive commercial closing on this Friday was $44 million and it was a patient rehab facility in Union Turnpike in Queens. Uh, Breaking ground, the largest new building filing on their filing was a 154,000-square-foot, six-story storage facility on 12th Avenue in Kells Kitchen. The priciest now this is a low, but it's just that we're using data from. I'm just giving you the latest data on Friday. The priciest deal uh, that happens in condos on Friday was 160 Central Park South, which was went to contract at 4.8 million, and the average 15-year fixed mortgage is about I think 5.96, and I think the average fixed 30 year mortgage is about 6 6.61 and let me emphasize to everyone you know i and i and i and i appreciate anybody has a different opinion please be glad to share it with you because these are but when i look at what's happening and people compare it to the pandemic years i think it's an unfair comparison because that was anomaly, and then the people say, oh my God, the interest rates are so high because they were three or 2.3%. Well, they were 2.3% two years ago for a couple of months. I've been in the business 35 years at least, and I've never seen those numbers. So I think that was just something that they did during the pandemic. The average historical interest rate over time is seven and a half percent. And so we're still below the historical average. So, you know, we're not well, well below it. But I'd say that the interest rates are average. I mean, they're average interest rates. And we try to keep you up on all the different types of financing because there's a lot of very different kinds of financing that you can get depending on your needs. Uh, But by no means, by no means, when they say, oh, things are slowing. Well, obviously in the pandemic, everybody moved. Or if they didn't move, they looked for a place with bigger space because they had to work at home or some outdoor space. So when you're comparing things to 2020 or 2021, I don't think it's a fair comparison. It's my opinion that we should be comparing things to 2019, which is pre-pandemic, which was, and I would say that um, we're really I. Th- I think we're really returning to what I consider a return to normalcy, okay? Things are really getting back to normal. I think it's a great time to buy. I spoke at the uh, Wall Street Conference and I said, there is no bad time to buy. You just employ different strategies at different times, but at least now a homeowner will listen. Uh, They'll hear your offer. in the pandemic, if you didn't have all cash, you know, you were out, and people were bidding two, three, four, five hundred dollars more than asking price just to get it. It was like an like an auction. And a lot of those people really bid too high. So if I have any suggestions for you, I tell you, look at your budget, know what you can afford to spend before you actually even look, and then decide how you want to live. Because some people might say, hey, listen, to to buy this home, we'll sacrifice going out, we'll sacrifice going out to dinner twice a week. And other people say, no, we don't want to live like that. We want to still go out. We want to still go out to dinner twice a week. So you have to kind of look at your individual savings and how you want to live. And remember, in a home, you're bound to have something go wrong. (laughs) There's always something that breaks, so you have to have kind of a slush fund. Uh but the home is your biggest source of for most people, the biggest investment. And there's so many things that you can do. You can take equity loans and when people look at two thousand seven, two thousand I think it was two thousand eight, where people lost money, it's because they pulled all the equity out of their home. And then when the market fell, if they had to sell it, their home wasn't worth what they what they actually Have left because they used all of the equity. So I don't suggest you do that. But, you know, your equity in your home is money. And if you have a lot of equity and you need to use some of it, uh, you're just sitting on it. Your home is going to go up or down or however it goes, use it or not. So if you're prudent about it and you use it thoughtfully and you don't overextend it, um, it's also a good source for savings. I mean, your home can be. Resource for a lot of things. Uh, I I, I think that uh, if I go back when 2007, 2008, oh, the American dream is dead, it's over, no one's going to want to buy a home because people lost money. The only people that lost money on their homes were people who bought this and were forced to sell. And I will tell you this remember, real estate is a long term investment. And sometimes when you look at these shows, Flipping, they make it look like you oh, can flip this house, make millions of dollars. And gosh, I get so many calls for flipping houses. I just want to flip a house, make a million. Well, it's not easy, okay? I'm saying that you can't do it, that it's not so. Easy. I think they make it look a lot easier than it is. But a show on Flip. Do you see a lot? Hey, Dad,
3: I'm not sure if – I think you're cutting in a little bit now, but I'll tell you, flipping, you know, it it makes for some great television, and there are some opportunities that are out there. But I think like a lot of things on TV, it's a lot more dramatized than the reality, right? So the way, you know, usually we see clients have great success in real estate – and again – it doesn't mean you can't have a flipping strategy that works, but if you if you start looking at what most people do who have success, um, it, it's really a matter of putting the time in, finding the right transaction, buying it, and then understanding really a hold strategy to really have an opportunity to appreciate. You know, to be able to successfully do a flip, you really need to find that random. Uh, gem and you know, hitting gem and then being able to really in a cost effective way transition that property. Um, you know, that, that's really part of the strategy to make a flip work. Um, but I, I think the TV shows make it seem a little bit easier um, than, than it is in reality.
2: Absolutely. Uh, you have to stick with it, you have to know your inventory, you have to be on it you have to know the area you're working in. don't just go all over the place know the area know the sales prices work with a really good broker I really suggest that and a good real estate attorney um, but I do believe that if you're willing to put in the time and the effort all I can tell you is I've been in this business since I'm in my 20s and I remember when I first started out I was about 24 and people would say oh I bought three houses before you were born, You probably, I know so much, and there were people, I'm sure they, they really, some of them didn't even have a high school education, but they had money, they made it in real estate, real estate, the wonderful thing about it is someone who has nothing, if you learn and you listen, will teach you how you can make money in real estate, because you can even if you don't have a lot of money to begin with. Um, we'll be back. We have Rebecca San Juan. And don't forget, right after our show, remember, I'm a member of Lee, okay? You want to watch that show that's all right right after us. It's great, and I'll tell you about it a little bit later, okay? But it's a wonderful show, and it's a wonderful organization, and I'm glad that I'm in. We'll be right back after the 11 o'clock news. And thank you, Russell, so much.
0: The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated